Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, we are talking about diagnosing your spiritual health, questions to ask yourself, things to look and to inspect to see, hey, am I growing? Am I becoming more like Christ. That is, that is something, if I were to tell you, hey, a Christian is supposed to be more like Christ, there wouldn't be anybody that would be surprised that that's what's supposed to happen. But how do you measure that? And as you're turning there to 2 Peter chapter 1, I want to say just a special welcome to the Kennan family. Uh, they're back there in the back row. They got here early enough for good seats, so good for y'all. They are from, uh, they were at our church. You guys are up in North Carolina now, is that right? Sure, you don't know where you're at, you're not? You're in Georgia right now. Well, right now you're actually in West Columbia. But, so you are living, you're living in Georgia right now, so okay. So uh, we talk all the time, Michael and I. We uh, spend lots of time chatting. No, but Michael was uh, on our live stream ministry up there at, uh, or down there in Florida, and he had the unamiable task of getting my notes from me onto the different places that we needed to put them up so that people could see the different things. And we, he had to help me download stuff. One time, uh, this is going to get me in trouble today, he even had to go to the house and uh, download them again from my computer. Uh, the church service started, they hadn't downloaded, and I thought, uh-oh, I didn't have the notes and nobody had the notes. And I said, Michael, you're going to have to go back to the house and find my computer and download the notes. Uh, but he ministered in many, many different ways, and the Lord's recently moved them up here. It's good to see y'all. And uh, thanks for coming over and being uh, here with us tonight. And make sure you don't take off before I get a chance to see you after church. You there in 2 Peter chapter 1? We're talking about how to add to your faith. And here's, I want to take just a little, a little, I guess, pause in what we're talking about, diagnosing our spiritual health. We started a couple, well, last Sunday night we talked about one of the things that should be happening is there should be a constant adding to your faith. Look at, if you would, 2 Peter 1, look at verse uh, 4. Uh, at verse 5, the Bible says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And we talked about how something that happens after salvation, sanctification, is something that we are required to, to participate in. Remember, salvation is all on whose shoulders? All on God. Salvation is all of God. Now, after we are done, after God is working on us, we will be promoted to glory. That will be either through the rapture or through the appointment that God has set with us. It's appointed unto men once tonight. We don't know when that appointment is or the rapture. Whose is that on? That's all on God. In between. So we have salvation and we have glorification. In between is called what? It ends with ification. What does it start with? Sanctification. Now, we understand that salvation is all on God. We understand that glorification is all on God. Who is sanctification on? That's one that's a little bit harder to... It's on God and, and, and us and, and Jesus. And amen. And can we go now? And, and we don't want to answer out loud because we don't want to get in trouble in church and get the wrong answer. But the truth is, is that... It is very important in the Christian life, and this is where so many people get tripped up, which is why I want to hit the pause button before we just go into, beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith. If you just look at it on the surface and you say, okay, I've got to work hard to add to my faith. Because we looked at this last week and we said that word add 
uh, to your faith, that, that, that's talking about uh, bringing along the chorus. And we had, had the picture of in the old times there, in, in Bible times, when somebody was going to put on a, a play or something like that, they would have to get a sponsor that would facilitate the production of this play. And depending on how good your sponsor was, that was how lavish the play was going to be. And well, of course, people tried to out-lavish each other. And so that word kind of had the idea of not just adding to your faith, but lavishly adding to your faith. And here is the difficulty. Sometimes, because we do have to participate, sometimes we think we're responsible and we try to take charge. And that's what I want to just take a few moments tonight. We had a wonderful time seeing, but I want to take a few moments tonight looking at 2 Peter 1 and see if we can understand the balance there so that we're not losing the balance of realizing that Lord is going to do this. We are participating what is it that we focus on? And hopefully we'll be able to, to get a clear picture on this because honestly, this is something you have to look at and you have to check and you have to look at your motives and you have to look at your activities and look at what it is that you are focused on and what you are trusting or else you will leave God out of this sanctification process and you will throw it completely on your back. And if you leave God out and throw it completely on your back, what are you guaranteed to do? Fail. There are some of you, you are listening to this Sunday night series on how to see if you are growing, diagnosing your spiritual health. You want to know how to grow. You have a desire to grow. You want to see Christ developed in your life and you have failed over and over and over and over and over again. And this is an area where probably many of us have tripped. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump into it. Lord, I ask that you would give clarity. Lord, you know there are many different things running through my brain. I ask that you would help us to understand this truth, and Lord, that you would turn, that you would turn the light on. Lord, that we would be able to, to realize what it is to, Lord, depend on you for the work that has to be done. And Lord, sometimes we, we, we go to far extremes and we say this, let go and let God, and other times we, we get so, so locked into it that we get legalistic and we start, start going through certain things that have to happen so we can add and Lord, it's difficult often to find a balance. And I do not know all of the backgrounds of all of the individuals in here. And I don't know the baggage that they are carrying into this tonight. Lord, I, I need you to speak to their hearts, to show them the truth, the way. And Lord, to help them to understand, Lord, where even sometimes the flesh will sneak in. And try to flank them, even on this. Lord, so I ask that you would help us. In, in Christ's name, amen. If you look there in your Bibles, look at verse 4. Peter says, as he's writing to the Christians, he says, Whereby are given us unto us exceeding great and precious promises. These great and precious promises we talked about last week, that's basically the different promises in the Word of God that God has provided for us. Now, the short definition of the wonderful promise we technically call the good news or we call it the what? The gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for, help me out, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, was buried, three days later got up according to the scripture. Okay? So the gospel is Christ died for our sins. 
our part in that, okay? And, and sometimes we, we make a mistake and we, make, we, we say different things. And sometimes even the words that we use, you know, where we, we invite Jesus into our heart. And we talk about the day that we found Christ and I trusted. And sometimes if we're not careful, we, we tend to think that it was reliant upon us more than it is. And the Bible tells us that by, we're saved by grace through faith. And that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It was not something that you did. It was not something that you accomplished. It was all of God. And these great and precious promises should be great and precious to us because we can't mess up anything that we're not a part of. How many of you can mess stuff up just by participating? Boy, howdy, I can I can, I can take it and I can, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. And I can, and I can, I can work hard. But the gospel, here's the basic gospel in a little different format. It says, you can't, God did, trust him, and it's done. Now here's, here's where the flesh will sneak in. Remember we talked about this morning how the flesh is always trying to flank us. The flesh is always trying to run in and say, here, let me do this. Here is how 2 Peter 1 would look to somebody who is trying to rely on themselves. Look at, look at verse 5. It says, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is the idea of moral excellence. And, and here's what we would do is we would look at this and we'd say, okay, I don't just want to have morals. I don't just want to have okay morals. I don't just want to have good morals. I want to have excellent morals. We want to have the bestest of the excellentest morals. And so then what we think is we go, all right, what are some of the different morals? And depending on your background, it would say, okay, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. And so we would start looking at things and we would start saying, okay, well, excellent morals would be, you know, it would be good speech. So I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say this. It would be, it would be service to God. So I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And if we're not careful, this adding these virtues, we start looking around at other people and we start looking around at other things and we say, okay, and, and most of us know the different areas that we struggle in. Maybe it's this particular area or this particular area. And, and maybe you struggle in that area and you say, okay, I've got to add, I'm, I've got to become more virtuous in this. So I'm going to do a wonderful job and I'm going to get victory over this. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever, ever gotten angry when you sinned? Has it ever happened to you? And you thought, okay, this is the year 2022. We are going to get victory over this. God's going to do this. We're going to, well, I made it to January 3rd. And we go, oh. See, the precious promise that by these we may, might be partakers of the divine nature, was the promise that you couldn't mess it up, that God did the work. Now here's the difficulty. Look at verse 5. And beside this, or it could be said this way, also in this very thing, or and for this same reason also. So because of this reason, what reason? These great and precious promises. Here's what the gospel looks like in sanctification. It is not our job to sanctify ourselves. It is our job to understand where God is working and simply participate in the positive side of what he is doing. In other words, for you to try to make yourself more virtuous is self-defeating. Because your righteousnesses are filthy rags. Have you ever tried to clean something up with a dirty rag? Doesn't work too well. 
It, it, it doesn't really get the job done. And you have to have something clean to clean that which needs cleaning. Amen? Pretty simple. But how many of us have said, okay, I'm going to get victory over this sin by changing my viewing habits. Now, I am not saying that changing your viewing habits is not a part of getting victory over certain kinds of sins. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is the dependence should be on the promise, not on the person. The dependence should be, okay, God, here's, here's what I know to be true. I know that you love me. I know that you want me to become morally excellent. You want me to be virtuous. Lord, I want to be virtuous. Show me how to be virtuous. Lead me in a plain path. And then you pray through some different scriptures. You pray through some different passages and say, okay, God, here's what's happening. Because we are being credited with Christ's virtuousness, with his righteousness. We are being credited with that right now. When we talk about prayer, the reason that we have the right to stand in the throne room of the universe is not because we said, dear Jesus, forgive me all my sin. You ever done that? You really wanted to get a good grade on that test? Dear Lord, forgive me all my sin. Please help me. I forgot to study. We've got to, we've got to take care of all this stuff. Now that I've gotten all my sin forgiven, do you realize how completely impossible it is for you to even know all of your sin? I think we understand it in principle. But man, it's just amazing. I, I, I remember one thing. Now, we have some nurses in here. We have some folks that have studied nursing. One of the things that uh, was always dangerous was to be around a nurse when they were taking the microorganism or the microbiology, the different class about how things could get transferred and how sickness would get on other stuff because you would sit down to dinner and they would tell you the percentage of this that could be in that and the percentage of this and how much percentage of, of, of fecal matter was here and how much percentage of dead skin. Is here. And they would say all that stuff. And they would talk about it like, you know, if you're eating in the cafeteria at college, they would say, oh, a hamburger patty, industrial made, that probably has some, something, whatever percent. And, you know, especially if you're a Bible major, you don't know math that well. And so you're thinking this has what in it? And the reality is that for us to try to be virtuous by nature of our own ability is absolute foolishness. You see, what happened is that God didn't just save us. God said, I am going to give you the life of my son and place it on your account. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we're not praying in Jesus' name by saying in Jesus' name. We are stepping into the throne room because we have been given the life of Jesus and we have the rights as an adopted child of God to stand in in the rights of the Son to, to petition the Father. It's not on the stuff that we have done. Now, I'm trying to be careful and explain this because I'm not saying you don't ever need to confess your sins anymore. Do you know we need to confess our sins? Do you know how we know that? Because the Bible says to confess our sins. We confess, he'll forgive. So I'm not arguing against that. I am arguing against the idea that says, okay, I've got to do this. And if you were to look, go and look at the next one, add your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Does God want you to know more about his word? Absolutely, he wants you to know more about his word. But if we go into it saying, okay, this is all on me. I'm going to do this. I'm, now listen, for some of you, it may be trying a different thing. It may be, it, it may be studying a different way. It may be do, reading your Bible a little bit differently. But some people go into it and they say, okay, it's all on me. This is my responsibility. 
And I found so often when I would get into a difficulty and not be able to get past a sin, when I was getting angry at myself and I was upset with myself and I was, I was actually trying to punish myself for my failures because I wasn't living the great and precious promises. The great and precious promise is, are the same promises that tell me that I have eternal life, are they the same ones that tell me there is therefore now no, what? Condemnation. But David didn't believe that. Because there are some sins that David has tried over and over and over. I've tried memorizing things. I've tried doing things. I've tried lining stuff up and saying, okay, I'm finally going to whoop this. And I've never whooped it. You see, because it's not my job to whoop it. And how foolish for me to whoop it. But when I get up in the morning, I say, Lord, no, I can't. You see, that's how I got saved, right? I said, Lord, I, I, I can't earn heaven. I can't be good enough. But you promised I don't get it completely, but you promised that your son's death on Calvary was for me. Without any proof, without any guarantee other than what you have shown me in your word, I am going to trust that and lock it in as done. And we understood that as far as the gospel. But when it comes to sanctification, we say, okay, Lord, help me do the job that I have to do. And one of the things that we have to get away from is this idea that we can accomplish anything. Now, I, I know that you can always run to far extremes on any side. And you can say, well, if we can't accomplish anything, well, then just, I'm just going to go and do whatever I want. No, no, you can't just go and do whatever you want because the job is not for you to run around and do whatever you want. The job is for you to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There are so many times out that I love watching the little kids sing when they come up here. And I love watching them get up there. There are some kids that get up there that they are locked in. You can see the kids, you know, they are, they, this is their time to sing and they are locked in. They're going to do the right thing. Then there's other kids. They just want to see if mom and dad are watching. And let's be honest, which ones do we love looking at? The ones that, the ones that forget they're in front of hundreds of people and they're just up here doing all kinds of stuff jumping up and down, doing everything, looking around at some of the different stuff. They're looking around trying to find mom and dad, and they find mom and dad, and they're waving, and they're looking at them. And there's just this, this, this locked in that says, hey, th this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm doing. And as Christians, so often we will get distracted. Listen, I, I'm not against somebody that takes a, a, a passage of Scripture and explains it in a very simple way to help you understand the truths. But if we begin to trust in that person and in their writings and in their devotional books and in their podcasts and in their different things, and we say, hey, you know what, this is what so-and-so taught me, and this is what so-and-so taught me, and this is what so-and-so taught me, we're missing the point. Because all knowledge that comes to us is not because so-and-so. It's because the great and precious promise. And God said, listen, I'm going to do this. In the Old Testament, he would say, Israel, there's going to come a time when I'm going to get rid of that stony heart and I'm going to give you a fleshy heart. He said, it's all on me. And the gospel is a life lived that says, God, I can't. You said you would. I'm going to trust you. Husbands, instead of trying to figure out a better way. Now listen, you ought to be talking to your wives, amen? You ought to be interacting with them, figuring out what's, what's happening, talking to them, all those different things. But instead of saying, okay, this year, 2022, I'm finally going to be a good husband. This is going to be the year. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a song. I'm going to star in a movie for her. I'm going to do all these things. I'm finally going to get it. Instead of doing that, do you know who made your wife? 
Do you know who he made her for? You. Do you know what he made you to do? Bring glory to him. Preach the gospel to the lost. God, I've been married for 78 years now. And I don't know how to be a good husband. I need your help. I need you to show me what to do. Do you know how to be a good teacher at Grace Christian School? Not go to AACS, not sit at the feet of Edward Earwood and say, teach me, O AACS or SCAC's director. It is going to the author, the finisher, and saying, Lord, I can't do this. I cannot do it. I need that great and precious promise. I need the promise that you're going to do this. And as you pray through the promises and as you pray through the scriptures and as you take time looking to God and saying, God, I simply want your life to be lived out in me, you begin to see the adding that happens. And it's not because of the activity that you are doing. It is because you are consistently trusting that the God who has accomplished it is going to do what he's promised. And you say, okay. God, I will promise, and you trust him. And then when worry starts to come up and anxiety starts to come up and different things uh, start to well up in your mind instead of saying, okay, I'm going to try not to worry, I'm going to try not to worry. Say, no, no, I'm not going to look at what I'm not going to try not to worry. I'm going to look at God. God, you brought this. What is it that you're planning on doing? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Saying, okay, God. And stepping back and saying, instead of me doing the work, it is me growing and learning how to allow you to do the work and let me come along. My daughter Kelly, she's, how old is she, 24, 23? 24. I was close. Kelly was the daughter that when dad had to go to the dump, she wanted to help. She loved to get her big old gloves on and we're going to go to the dump and we're going to drive the pickup truck and we're going to unload the pickup truck. Now, Kelly would come to me and say, Dad, what do I need to do to go to the dump? And I would say, well, first of all, you need to be a good daughter. Now, could Kelly have done something to maybe stop her opportunities to go to the dump? Sure. She was a creative girl. Still is. She could come up with any number of things where Dad may have to say, okay, you can't go to the dump this time. But Kelly said, Dad, I want to go to the dump. We're going to go there. We're going to, we're going to clean all this trash out, and we're going to get rid of this. And we would have, I would have the dump one time, put a new roof on the house. And so it's filled with shingles and nails and everything. And she comes along and says, okay, Dad, let's go to the dump. I said, okay, get your, get your shoes on. Get, and she would go in, and I'll tell you, I think we have pictures somewhere. She would go in, and we'd get the, the work clothes on. And she would come out, and she would start. She had a different walk. Remember, Dad? When it was time, okay, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing work. And she'd come out, and she would. She even had a name for this guy, and she'd walk out and say, "Okay, we're going to the dump." As her father, what do you think was important to me? The number of broken shingles she tossed off the side of the truck as she wanted to go. Guess what would happen if my daughter decided she was not going to go to the dump? It was still going to go. See, because she couldn't stop the Father's will. I would not sit on the front porch of my house and cry because Kelly got up in the morning, didn't pray, read her Bible, and go to church. Or, I mean, excuse me, didn't decide to go to the dump. 
And if halfway to the dump, and then when we got to the dump and we got there, and she saw all the things that were going on at the dump and the different people that were at the dump, and let's be honest, to a four-year-old, some of them kind of scary, if she decided, Dad, I'm not going to go to the dump. I want to go home. Guess what would happen? I'd still love her, still take care of her, but we'd still empty that truck out. Listen, you have to believe. You see this list adding to your faith, virtue, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. Do you know what the Father's plan is? Do you understand that he that began the work in you will complete it? Guaranteed? It's not up to you to do it. It's up to you to stay focused on the Father. It's up to you to say, where are we going? Let me go. What's happening here? Say, well, pastor, I never know what's going to happen. I never know what's going to happen. Well, when it happens, now you know God's will. Some of you are going to go into work tomorrow and your boss is going to yell at you. Guess what? God's will has been revealed. And you can go, well, I don't like God's will. Or you can go, okay, God. All right, what are we doing here? What's going on here? I heard one preacher use this as an illustration. It was a fabulous illustration. Uh, and it reminded me of me. A lot of times my dad would be working on the car. And he'd say, son, I want you to hold the flashlight. And do you know I couldn't even hold the flashlight right? How many of you have ever asked a six-year-old or an eight-year-old to hold a flashlight? Unless it's a 40-foot wide beam, eventually it's going to be pointed up into a tree and you're going to be back in the dark, Right? Now listen, if I as a son stayed focused on my dad and what he was doing, then I got to point the flashlight. Uh, When I got self-involved in and started looking around and I was just going to point it pretty soon, I have it. Damn it! And you know what I'd always do after he'd yell at me? I'd shine it right in his face. (laughs) Not a good thing. But you know what? God wants you to do this, but he has not given you the responsibility. He has said, my son's done it. I'm giving it to you. Trust and obey. But trust first. Don't say, don't go home today and say, Lord, you're going to do a change in me one day. I trust you that you're going to do it and go home and plan on sinning. Lord, I need you. Trust. Obey. Why? Because why, these, these things that you're supposed to add are based on the same precious promises that gave you the divine nature. For the same reason, because you have this divine nature as a driving force, now you accomplish these things. And folks, let me encourage you. This, this is a battle for me. Because there are some areas that I want to trust God in. There are other areas that I have learned to trust God in. And then there are some areas that I just, I keep struggling. I keep battling with. I keep thinking, oh no. I keep getting worked up about. I keep thinking, oh, what do I have to do here? What do I have to do here? What's going to happen here? What's going to go on here? Can I tell you something that is even, maybe this will be scary to you, but understand, who's in control of Grace Baptist Church? God. Who is so in control of Grace Baptist Church that he can use everything in Grace Baptist Church to do wonderful things for you and your family? God. Man, I forget that. I keep thinking it's on me. 
I keep thinking that I've got to do a good job. Because if I don't, then I'm going to ruin and I'm going to... And you know what? Dave Goforth just ain't that big a deal. God's going to work. God's going to get done what he's going to get done. I have the opportunity to see it, to trust him, and to do it with him. That's it. It's still going to get done. It's still going to get done. And it's still going to get done in me. I can't ruin it because he's that good. I can't stop it. Because he's that good. I can't change it because he's that good. I remember thinking there used to be different wills of God. Well, I want to get the perfect will, not the acceptable will or this will. And no, no, your, your God is too good. He's not looking down. He tells us if we ask for a fish, are we going to give him a snake? Have you ever heard a preacher say, be careful what you ask God for. He might give it to you. Your God's not like that. He's not like that. He's not going to go, oh, you want to be a missionary, huh? <laughs> Take this one. Your God loves you so much, he sent his son. And he still loves you, and he's still going to do what he planned. So beside this, with complete dependence on him, being overwhelmed with his love, find out where he is adding and jump in with him. Find out how he's adding to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. Just just figure out where it is and jump in there with him. And thank him when you see it happening. And when you see a failure, thank him that that failure isn't permanent. That it's going to be different. That one day that virtue, that knowledge, that temperance, that patience, that godliness, that brotherly kindness, that charity will be added to that faith. And you will stand complete in him because he loves you. Because he loves you. Let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. Don't forget about the uh, birthday fellowship. That's January and December fellowships, right? Over at the house. And uh, get there early because it's over by halftime of the second game. So you need to get there quick, get your fellowship in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're looking forward to having If you need our, uh, need our address, uh, just talk to me right quick after the service and I'll give it to you. Uh, for those that are signed up and we'll see you over at the house. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have a plan That plan includes making us more like your son. Lord, help us to rest in you. Lord, uh, some of us are struggling within our marriage because we're worried about what our, our spouse is doing. Help us to rest in you. Some of us are worried about our children. Help us to rest in you. Lord, some of us are worried about the economy, about the government, about numerous different things. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to rest in you. And Lord, to truly believe that we can't do a thing to change the goodwill of our Father. And to trust and to obey. Lord, go before us. You told us that you'd go ahead and that you'd make the path straight. You'd smooth it out so that we could walk it with you. Lord, help us to walk with you. In Christ's precious name, because of his sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Thank you.